Thank you, Tangina. I invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Let me go ahead and read that. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality and impurity and greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk and coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I don't know if you noticed how many times Paul in this passage and really throughout his letters uses the phrase walk. And that sounds so complicated. Paul says walk in Christ or walk in the pattern that you've seen in me. And yet there's really nothing difficult about walking unless there's a bunch of wires in your way. It's something you do every day. In fact, it's a habit. In fact, the word walk is that phrase or tense in this passage of a habitual habit process of your life. So it's not complicated. Walk. The two things that he tells us, tells us to walk in in these, this 14 verses is walk in love and walk in light. Paul is setting an example. He's leaving an example behind. And God's done that for you. God's put people, men or women, in your life that have left an example that you can follow. Have left footprints that if you follow them, you'll get closer to Christ. For me, one of my examples was my dad growing up. One of my memories of my father, early memory, was this was back before you had seatbelts in the car. I know some of you are thinking, there always been seatbelts in the car. Back then, cars looked like boats going down the road. They were huge. They had bench seats. You could put about five people on the front seat of a car. And I remember my dad would drive me down the road, and I would hold on to his ear. That was my safety harness. You know, looking back on it now, like if we had had a wreck, I would have gone through the windshield with at least a part of his ear in my hand. So that that was one of my examples. And then I've had children of my own. I have four children. And one of the most stark examples of Kids wanting to be like an example. Happened on a day when we lived in a split-level house, and our daughter had been down in the basement, and her brother was down there, and she came up. She's the fairness sheriff of the house. If something's going on, she's telling you about it. So she came up the steps and said, Dad, there's something happening in the basement I don't think you're going to like. Well, that'll scare you to death. So I come running down there, and there's my son holding a pair of scissors. And we had taken his scissor privileges away from him, and I've shared this story before. Because Robbie just liked cutting stuff. One of the things he loved to cut was this 
afghan or blanket that was over the back of the couch that had tassels on it. He thought it would look better without those tassels. So he just went down the couch, cutting tassels laying on the floor. So we had taken scissor privileges away from him for the rest of his life. But when I walked down and found him holding this pair of scissors, here's what he had cut on this day. He had cut his bang all the way up into his scalp. And this was like the day before pictures at school. And I'm mad, and I said, Robbie, why did you do that? He said, I wanted to look like you. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do then? You can't be mad anymore. You're trying to hold back laughter, and I'm saying, Robbie, I didn't do this to myself. This is called a receding hairline. It'll probably happen to you. We don't do this. This wasn't a cut that I went to the barber and said, yeah, just cut a bunch off and make it real thin right here. And maybe a ball spot would have help back here. That just kind of happens over time. And yet I think of that when I think about what Paul's saying, the example to walk in Christ, to walk and to follow God, follow his footsteps. I want to be like Jesus. But that's what Paul says when he says we're being conformed into his image. If you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's been a work begun in you, and God's promised to bring it to fulfillment and completion. And that is he's making you more like Jesus. So when Paul says walk, not complicated, it's walk, therefore, based on what he just said before. He said, first of all, be imitators of God. The Greek word sounds a lot like mimic, and that's really what he's saying. He's saying let God be the example and mimic God. Now, mimicking God is not a means to acceptance of God. It is because we've been accepted by God. It's because he has loved us, poured out his love upon us. We've trusted him as Lord and Savior. You can't be like God apart from Jesus doing it through you. And so he says, be imitators of God as beloved children then. Walk in love. So the habit of your life, the thing that people should say about you if they follow you around very much is that he is a man, she is a woman who loves who? Well, first of all, loves God. And he's going to talk about how he's proved his love for us in just a minute. But we're to walk in love, first of all, of God, secondly, of other people. He's going to get real specific about that in this passage as well. Now, keep in mind, this is a letter written to the church in Ephesus. It was a circular letter. And what that simply meant is typically it would be addressed to Ephesus but it would be shared in that whole region of Asia Minor. And you step back from this and you think for a minute, I wonder how the church in Ephesus was doing at the time that Paul felt it necessary to write this. How did they do later? Well, don't turn there. I'll just tell you. Revelation chapter 2. One of the seven churches in Revelation is this same church, the church in Ephesus. Anybody remember what, Paul, what Jesus said to the church in Ephesus? He says to John, the one that wrote this down, he said, write this to the church in Ephesus. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put them to the test and you don't tolerate them if they're not walking what they claim to walk. But you remember what he had against them? You've left your first love. And that's been on my mind all week as I've studied this passage to realize Paul thought it was essential and necessary to tell the church in Ephesus, the two things I really want you to be walking in, number one is in love, and you've got to start with a love for God and then love for other people. And apparently just a few years later, maybe 20, 30 years later, John pins the direct 
narration from Jesus, the dictation from Jesus, you've left your first love. So is it possible to do a lot of religious stuff and not really love God? Apparently. That sounds foreign. It's, it's got to be frustrating. It's got to be empty. It's got to be dry as dust just to be about religious motion and activity. And yet you've walked away from Jesus in the process. And so Paul says, walk in love just as Christ loved you. So that's our example. That's pretty incredible. Anybody have a problem loving people? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Why do we have problems loving people? It's because it's not natural. Love is not, if you just leave people alone and let them do their own thing without God involved, they're not going to love people. Now, they'll treat people who treat them right. It'll look like love. But it's more manipulation. It's more response. It's not unconditional agape love that comes from God. And so when Paul says walk in love, he's telling them to do something that can only be done if Jesus Christ is resident in their life through the person of the Holy Spirit and is living that out through their life. So Paul says walk in love. And you will only do that if Jesus is the most important thing in your life. Just as, just as Christ also loved you. Christ is the pattern of love. As a kid, did you ever trace things? Did you ever put a piece of paper under another piece of paper and trace it? You used to do that. Do you know what I'm talking about? And the more careful you were tracing, what would happen when you finished tracing? It looked like the picture. That's what we're doing. We're following Jesus. We put a piece of paper over his example and command, and we're tracing it. We are to be like that. We are to love like Christ loved. And here's how he did it. He gave himself for us. What does that mean? Philippians 2 says that he didn't regard equality with something he had hold on, equality with God, something he had hold on to. He emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, left heaven and all that glory in heaven came to earth, was born as a little infant, placed in a feeding trough, no fanfare, and lived a perfect life, became obedient even to the point of death. That's the example of Jesus. So we're to love like Jesus loved us. By First, he gave, us, gave himself for us as an offering and sacrifice to God. Did you catch that? He gave himself on the cross for us, but it was an offering and sacrifice to God. God. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. If you truly love the way God loves you, if you truly love the way Jesus left an example of love, you will give. And at times it will be sacrificial. At times it will be undeserved. That's the way Jesus loved us. And I love what he said. It was a fragrant aroma. Noah on the ark, after all that time on the ark, and it was more than 40 days and 40 nights on the ark, that's just how long it flooded. It took a long time before they exited the ark. And one of the things he did after exiting the ark, he built a sacrifice and burned a fire. And it said it went up to heaven, and it said in God's nostril it was a fragrant aroma. That's what smells good to God, is when we live the way Jesus lived. So don't live a way that stinks, all right? Live a way that's a fragrant aroma, aroma to God. And the two distinguishing marks of this love are forgiveness that we talked about in the last chapter 
and sacrifice, who we'll talk about in this chapter. So walk in love, and then there's some things we walk away from. So you're going to hear about walking in love, and in a few minutes you're going to hear about walking in light. But in the middle of that, there's things that Paul gets real graphic about. Walk away from these things. Whatever God establishes, Satan tries to counterfeit. So what you're about to see is what we walk away from is the poor counterfeit of sin that Satan has tried to counterfeit the things of God. And it's interesting as you read this and realize this is written 2,000 years ago and understand we're dealing with some of the same things today. Sin hasn't changed. Some of the same issues you deal with today they were dealing with in the first century. One definition of sin is aiming at a target and missing it every time. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But another definition of sin is trying to find contentment apart from God. And that's what the world who's living in darkness, that's what they're doing. They try to cram chemicals in their body or substances up their nose to find contentment, happiness, joy, peace in life that only comes from God. And they are empty. They try immorality. Paul says, walk away from immorality. It's literally where we get the word pornography from. It's all that works against God's plan for morality. And in these three, it's it's really watch your life. Watch immorality. Watch impurity, the quality of being filthy or greed. Paul says, don't walk in those things like the world's walking in. Greed, fraudulence, covetousness, extreme desire for wealth or things. It's that attitude that seeks gratification of self above any need of anybody else. And if I was to ask you, how many greedy people do we have here today? None of us want to acknowledge that we're greedy. (laughs) But greedy becomes a lust for more. God is a giver of every good and perfect gift. He wants you to have good gifts. But my question is, are you fulfilled in Christ or you just want more of the things of this world that will not satisfy? Other cultures. If you've ever gotten the opportunity to go outside the United States, many cultures, third world countries, who have nothing or more grateful than we are for what they have. One of my first experiences was in the Ukraine. I went to speak there a number of years ago, actually to a festival of Christian youth in the Ukraine, about a 1,000 students to this festival. In fact, they consider youth until you get married. So there were 30-year-old youth. One of them was named Nikolai. He spent a lot of time talking to me because he wanted to come to this country bad. But I asked my interpreter, I'd hear them pray, and they'd pray these long prayers, and I said, what are they praying? So he would translate the prayers, and they were always, most of them, 90% of their prayers was thanking God for what he had given them. And in my little American mentality, I'm thinking, you don't have anything. My interpreter had two pair of pants, a pair of corduroy pants and a pair of blue jeans. And it was 100 degrees over there in Ukraine when I was there in July. And I never heard him complain. He didn't even have a toothbrush. He would clean his teeth with the same thing he cut his nails with. Just kind of used it for cleaning his teeth. In fact, one night I heard him doing this. The guy that was with me, his name's Nixon. We had three beds in this room, three little tiny beds. I was in one. Misha was in the middle, my interpreter. Nixon was in the other one. 
And he, he goes, what is that? He thought there was a rat in the room. I said, that's all right. Misha's cleaning his teeth. <laughs> you go to other con- countries, and you see people with nothing who are happy because they're fulfilled in Christ. One of the most recent reminders of that was a trip to India I took this year. And you see people walking in darkness with no hope, no smile on their face, and then you get to a church where there's 100 people worshiping, 120 people worshiping, and you see joy. They have nothing, but they have Jesus, and it's enough. So Paul says, walk away from immorality, impurity, and greed. So my question for you is, how much is enough? Is Jesus enough for you? Those are things that will affect our life. Then he says, watch your words. There must be no filthiness, literally just general obscenity, shameful speech, disgraceful words, silly talk. The Greek word is where we get the word moron from. Talking like a moron. In fact, talking like a drunk person who's out of their mind. Some prove they're fools just by opening their mouth. There's a proverb that said, a man will be considered wise who's quiet. And then coarse jesting, just vulgar witticisms. Listen, being funny and and having people laugh is not a bad thing. But when you use bad language to do it or you destroy somebody else's character to do it, when they become the brunt of the joke, that becomes a very divisive thing. So he says, don't let filthiness, silly talk, or coarse jesting be what controls you or what's the attitude of your life because they're not fitting, but rather giving thanks. Replace corrupt speech with a grateful heart towards God. Paul said, this you know with certainty. In other words, you've already got this. Paul's basically saying, I've already told you this. You know this with certainty. I'm repeating it again just for emphasis. No immoral or impure person or covetous man who's an idolater will inherit the kingdom of God. Those are things that maybe were part of our life and part of the lives of the people in Ephesus he's writing to, but he said, you've walked away from that. That's not your life anymore. Yeah, there's still times we sin, but the habit and pattern of our life is no longer that. Jesus has cleansed us and put us on a new path, and he's about making us more and more like him. And Paul says, don't let anybody deceive you. Here's the thing you see in Paul's letters. Paul, It would tick Paul off that he's writing to these precious saints in these churches, brand new believers who are having influence, sometimes in the church, and certainly outside the church, people saying to them, hey, listen, whatever you do in the flesh has no bearing on your spiritual life. Those were called Gnostics. And that was one of their teachings. You can do anything you want to in the flesh. You can consort with temple prostitutes, and they had those. It's not going to affect your soul, your spirit life. Let me tell you something. It absolutely does. So Paul says, listen, don't let anybody trick you, cheat you, delude you with their empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the good news is, as a believer, that's not what God's reserved for us. But one day God's going to pour his wrath out on the evil in the world. Because that's what comes on the sons of disobedience. Enough of the bad stuff. 
The last thing Paul says is walk in light. Therefore, he says it again. He said it at the beginning in verse 1. He says it again here in verse 7. Therefore, don't be partakers with them. Don't be a co-participant with them. Display your light by not joining in them because you were formerly darkness. I love the fact he doesn't say you were formerly walking in darkness. He doesn't say you were in darkness. He says you were darkness. Before you came to Christ, your life was pictured and epitomized by being dark. Got a flashlight in my pocket. I showed this to somebody early, and they said, you're going to need a bigger flashlight because you can't really see this, can you? I'm shining it in your eyes. It's not bothering you, is it? That's because light is irrelevant in life. Where does light become really relevant? In darkness. Paul says, walk. You were in darkness. You were darkness. The, the, the picture of your life was dark. But you've come to faith in Christ. The light has now shined within you. So be the light. Be the light. And when you shine your light out in a dark world, it's real relevant. You will get noticed. We come to church to get the, the bulb charged, to get the lens cleansed, to get taught and be energized to be that kind of witness out in the world. But where your light really needs to shine is not just here and not just at camp, but back at school and back in your home and back in your neighborhood. Walk as children of light. One of the things, graphic illustration of this is the moon that you see most every night, unless it's, not a, unless it's a new moon and it's not there. On the other side of the world, a week or so ago, they had the red moon that became eclipsed. And what that means is the sun is shining and the moon is reflecting that light, but then the earth moves in between them. I've tried to explain this with my kids with like a basketball, a softball, and a golf ball. They just wanted their balls back. But that's what the moon, the moon has no light of itself. It can only reflect the light of the sun. And you and I, the only light we have is the light of Jesus. So don't hide it. Don't cover it up. Don't anything become between us and Jesus. Be a full moon that reflects the light of Christ. Walk as children of the light. The fruit of the light consists of all goodness, of all righteousness, and all truth. Literally, Goodness, the way we relate to other people. Righteousness, the way we relate to God. And truth, the way we walk in personal integrity. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And don't participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness. Understand something. If you come to faith in Christ, the people that don't know Jesus are still in darkness. And we need to show them the light. We need to attract them to Christ and the light. But you don't need to participate in their deeds of darkness. Be very careful. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, it says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? One of the questions we ask on our applications here at the chapel is, what, what do you think about dating non-Christians? And too often the answer is, well, you know, I can be a light. I can date a non-Christian. And it's called missionary dating. It's very dangerous. In fact, the New Testament, Paul's writing, preaches against that. Yeah, influence. Don't divorce yourself from the world. You still need to be shining the light in darkness. But be real careful you're not acting like them. Don't participate in their unfruitful deeds. In fact, expose them. One of the things light does is exposes darkness. 
light puts out darkness, darkness doesn't put out light. When you were getting ready for camp, there were things you packed, you know, your sleeping bag or a pillow. You might have brought a flashlight, but you may have thought, you know, I like going to bed before everybody else, and they don't turn the light out till 1130. I might want to be in bed at like 1030. Mom, could you go to Walmart and get me a flash dart? Wouldn't it be cool if there was something like that, like a flashlight, you just kind of do that and all the lights go out? I could sleep on the beach that way. There's no such thing as a flash dark. Why? Because light puts out darkness. And so, folks, as we're getting ready for school to start back, or you're going to a job, you're going back to a family, you're living in a neighborhood, if you're shining your light, it will put out darkness. So let the light of Jesus shine through you. Paul says, don't walk like they do. In fact, expose them. Let me tell you one of the ways you expose them. When you live for Jesus, it makes people uncomfortable. You ever walked into a room and there's eight people standing there talking? And as soon as you walk in, they get quiet and look at you. Does the thought ever cross your mind they were talking about me? They might have been. Now, if that happens a lot, you're schizophrenic and you need help. But it may be, it may be that because you're living for Christ, it makes people uncomfortable. And so they're going to try their best to get you to do what they're doing. Be careful. Don't go there. Because it dims your light. In fact, it's not given an accurate reflection of who you really are. But for our friends, it's not just our life, but it's even our words. We ought to be able to challenge people. Hey, why are you doing that? Is, is that making you happy? And they may tell you it does, but as you share the truth of Christ, God's word doesn't return void. People will lie to you at times saying, I don't want to hear all that stuff. But the more you give them of the word of God, it can bear fruit and will bear fruit in their life. So don't walk like them. In fact, expose that because everything becomes visible in the light. Everything is rendered apparent in the light. And then he closes with the verse, verse 14, that is, most scholars believe this was probably a hymn in the early church. It's out of several pieces of Isaiah. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. A lot of them were thinking this was a baptismal hymn. As they baptized people, they would sing this hymn. It was a song in the early church. Because what is baptism picturing? It's picturing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Romans says we are now buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Let Christ shine through you so that your friends, your family, will see the light and be drawn to Christ and be awakened from the dead, really. And it really comes down to how seriously do you take sin. I'll close with one quick story of I had an experience in a hospital where I almost died by the anesthesia, or what was the, um, what, what they were trying to use in my body to keep me from getting a disease while I was in the hospital. Rather than using clean instruments, they thought, we'll just give him an antibiotic. And I went into anaphylactic shock. And so the doctor tried to figure out, I went to this allergy center after this, and they were testing, was he allergic to latex? Was he allergic to this, that, or the other thing? They believed it was cephalosporin, and, they, and everything else, they couldn't rule out that it was cephalosporin, so they said, we're going to put a little cephalosporin under your skin. It scared me to death. I thought, that's what you're telling me almost killed me. The doctor said, well, I'll be right down the hall. I'm like, no, you better stand right here. 
Now, they weren't putting it in my body, just under the skin to see how it reacted to the skin. And I thought sitting there for like 15 minutes, that's how long it took to see what it would do. I thought, you know, that's the way it ought to be about sin. Sin will kill you. It will not make you happy. I wish I felt the same way about it as I did that drug they put under my skin. And that is, get it away from me. I want to stay as far away from this as I can because I know this will kill me. So how seriously do we take sin? Paul says, walk in love and walk in light. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for that truth of your word. Thank you that, God, none of that's possible apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That because of Christ, who is the light of the world, we can walk in light. So use us in the world to shine that light for Jesus and draw people to you. In Christ's name. Y'all stand as we sing a closing song.